Hey everyone, a big welcome back to The Sound Museum, the music podcast that explores that personal connection we all have with the music that we listen to. Firstly, a massive thank you as always for listening to the podcast and I really hope you enjoyed going back to the 90s with me last week where we featured songs from the movies in the 90s, a great era for music and a great era for songs from the movies. So I really hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have missed the episode, you can always catch up on your favorite podcast provider. While you're there, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And you can also go back and listen to previous episodes you may have missed as well. If you use Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave me a lovely review. That would be amazing. And on Spotify, you can leave some feedback and a star rating as well. So for this episode, I take you back to 1983. And we are celebrating the 40th anniversary of Fantastic, the debut album from one of my favorite groups, Wham. At the time, I was only nine years old and I absolutely loved Wham. George and Andrew were on my walls. I remember going to school camp with my Wham t-shirt on and and there's fluoro yellow shorts. I tried to find the photograph actually, but I couldn't find it. So I must keep looking for that. I remember at the time being Wham! Obsessed. I loved their debut album. And this is what we are celebrating this week on the podcast. Now, at this point, I should let you know on a little secret. When I first started the podcast back in January, I had earmarked some episodes to do this year, and this was one of them. I was always going to do a celebration episode of Wham's Fantastic to coincide with the 40th anniversary of the album. This was months before we knew about what was happening with the documentary and of course the echoes from the Edge of Heaven, the new best of coming out this week. So I was onto something back in January when mapping out some episodes for the podcast. Also a bit of news about Wham! On Friday the 16th of June, Netflix actually posted the trailer for the upcoming documentary which you can see on Netflix this Wednesday if you listen to the podcast earlier in the week. So I decided to share that video across my social media channels to get everyone excited about the documentary, get everyone into Wham again because we want everyone to watch the documentary. So just before 10 o'clock Melbourne time I shared the post on my socials including TikTok and at the time I had no idea what was going to happen. The post just blew up. It went absolutely crazy. And at the time of recording this episode, that TikTok post is approaching 600,000 views, which is absolutely mind-blowing. Over 38,000 hearts with more than 400 comments. So thank you so much to all my new followers on TikTok. There's so many of you. I thank you so much for supporting the podcast. And I really hope you enjoy this episode celebrating the 40th anniversary of Wham's debut album, 
fantastic. So in preparation for this episode, I devoured all my old Wham books. I went through all the CDs, all the clips online. And while I was online, I found some old footage from 1982-83 of George and Andrew talking about their time in Wham. So let's get started with this very first clip where George and Andrew talk about how they met in school and the early days of their friendship. We met uh, when I was 11 and Andrew was 12 at school and, uh, and we became like best friends straight away and stayed together until we left school about a year and a half ago. George had just moved into the area. I'd been at school a year already and he, uh, he was put in, in my responsibility, as it were. <laughs> put in my charge. I had to look after him, which I didn't. And the him. teacher said, look, Andrew, take this boy away. Bring him back. Smart. You know, street sus. The right clothes. One day he could be a pop star. And it worked. We had a very similar sense of humour. We had a lot of other, uh, a lot of other interests. The main one being... Uh, being the music. Oh, they were so young back then, back in 1982-83, George and Andrew talking about how they met. Like George and Andrew, at the time in the early 80s, I would spend my weekends going to the music store and buying the records on a Saturday morning. Like the guys did back in the day where they went to nearby Watford to buy records from the local record store. And at the time they were hitting the discos. And it was around this time that the guys first met Shirley. She actually went to the same school as George and Andrew, but was a year in front of the guys at school. She had a car, so she used to drive them around. And Andrew and Shirley even dated for a couple of years. She would later join the guys in Wham as a backing singer and dancer, along with DC Lee and then later Pepsi. Before Wham, George and Andrew formed their first band, The Executive. And once again, here's George and Andrew talking about that time. The Executive, which is a band we formed when um, I left school at 16 and I went to, uh, I went to college. We, we uh, played in that for about a year and a half with some friends. My, yeah. Actually, my brother and, uh, and one of our friends who has a, uh, a contract with EMI in England. It was just, it was really just a, um, a starting block for, for us as writers. But it was a useless band. I mean, it was, the material was good, the material was great fun, but we were absolutely hopeless musicians, you know? It kind of broke up when people just couldn't, couldn't manage to turn up for practices anymore and things like that. no master plan. I didn't know if I was going to be a singer or anything, but at school I met Andrew and we formed this ska band called The Executive and we were terrible, basically. But Andrew and I had already developed a knack for writing these catchy little songs. Now after the band disbanded, the boys began working on songs together, with Andrew becoming quite proficient on the guitar and some of their friends had some music equipment they would often borrow and use. Now listen to this next clip. Here is George and Andrew talking about how they decided on the name Wham. I think it was Andrew actually originally. We were in a club um, dancing and we were kind of doing this like formation dance and we were having a laugh. And he started shouting something about Wham, Bam and all this, you know. And uh, we thought that would be a good name for a group. And then we threw it out the window. We thought, no, got to think of something better than that. But eventually we came back to it because it seemed right for what we were doing, you know. We've both been like, 
what, what good soul boys, I suppose, for about the last five years. So uh, dancing and clubs are um, the places that you know we get our ideas from. George and Andrew made a three-track demo containing the first full track they wrote, which was Wham Rap, along with about half of Club Tropicana and even less of Killer Whisper, produced by local producer Paul Max. In this next clip, the guys talk about recording that demo and getting signed. We'd already been in a band together, but we just kept writing songs, and when they were good enough, we uh, got a record contract, so that was last year. The actual demo tape that, that got us the contract was about four minutes long, and uh, it was just we did it for £20 in Andrew's front room to try and get someone to give us, you know, because we had no money being on the dole, we, we wanted someone to give us the money to make a proper demo. And uh, we got a contract off it, which like we were really amazed with, um, with uh, Innovision CBS. So when we eventually got a recording contract, we didn't see any reason to uh, bring anyone else in. We thought the image would be very good, two friends, you know. We do, I don't know, we don't get on with many other people, anyway, do we? No, that was the main problem. We couldn't find any other musicians that we we felt we could really work with. So it was just basically down to the two of us. Mm-hmm. We were writing the songs anyway, so it didn't make much difference. When I was doing my research online for this episode, I found so many gems on YouTube, including this one from 1981, an early demo version of the now classic Keyless Whisper. got goosebumps listening to that track an early demo of the song Keyless Whisper which will later appear on the second album Make It Big Wham landing their first record deal is an interesting story Andrew actually met the A&R man Mark Dean while searching for a deal for their first band The Executive Mark was a local guy and was on the rise having signed the band Soft Cell in 1981 who had a huge hit with Tainted Love Mike also discovered the band ABC. He was now company director of Innovision, and when he heard that demo tape, he liked what he heard. And in February 1982, he offered to sign Wham to his new label. The first thing Mark did was to get the guys in the studio to lay down a few tracks to record a proper demo with some session musicians. During those early sessions, they recorded Wham Rap, Careless Whisper, and two other tracks which weren't released, Soul Boy and Golden Soul. They also recorded the debut single, Young Guns, Go For It. Now, YouTube is an absolute treasure trove. There's so much content online, including those early demos. In this next clip, we have Soul Boy, Golden Soul, and Careless Whisper.
listening back to those snippets, I can see why Soul Boy and Golden Soul weren't released. Not amazing tracks, but Keyless Whisper, on the other hand, what an amazing track and early signs of what was to come. 24th of March 1982 was a big moment for George and Andrew. They signed their first recording contract with Innovision. At the time, they were desperate to get signed and pretty much signed their life away, unfortunately, for Peanuts. At the time, George had the contract checked over by a solicitor, but unfortunately didn't take the advice that it was a poor contract and they should try and negotiate for a better deal. The guards were given an advance of £500 each with a weekly allowance of £45 from the label. Now, under that dodgy contract, they would get 8% of the royalties from the single and album sales in the UK, plus 6% for albums and 4% for singles sold overseas, but nothing from sales of 12-inch vinyl. The rates were really low. To put it into some perspective, our non-acts would get around 10 to 11%. I hear this so much in the music industry. And even back then, the label was putting pressure on the guys to sign because if they didn't, the deal would be withdrawn. So the contract they signed was not a good deal. Innovision was funded by CBS and Mark Dean had little control over the cash flow with TV and other advertising cutting into promotional budgets and even royalties. So we've gone through how George and Andrew met, the early stages of Wham! and the guys getting signed to Innovision. Now let's focus on the music. Hi, this is George Michael of Wham! here. Hope you enjoy the new single. It's called Wham! Rap. Enjoy what you do. The debut single from Wham! was Wham! Rap, Enjoy What You Do, written by Andrew and George, produced by Bob Carter. This was their debut single, released in June 1982. This track was on the demo tape, which helped get the guys signed. When they signed with Innovision, they recorded a proper demo, and this was used for promotional appearances in the clubs to promote the track. George and Andrew worked really hard in those early days. They performed in clubs all over the country in the UK, sometimes five or six gigs in one night. Unfortunately, the track only made number 105 on the UK singles chart. Interestingly, the unsocial mix and social mix both have different verses. Let's check out those different verses now, beginning with the first verse and then the second verse. So Wham Rape only reached 105 on the UK singles charts, but in September it was time to release single number two, which was Young Guns Go For It. (laughs) 
Production by George and produced by George with Steve Brown. A second single released in September 1982. The single version appears on the album. Now on the single on the B side, Going For It is the instrumental version of Young Guns' Go For It. A 5 minute 11 second mix of the track appears on Wham! the 12 inch mixes album and a 6 minute 53 second 12 inch mix appears on the 12 inch vinyl release. The guys performed Young Guns Go For It on UK TV for the very first time on morning show Saturday Superstore in the UK. At the time, due to an act dropping out at the last minute, Wham were invited to appear on Top of the Pops, giving them some much-needed primetime exposure. And it worked, because Young Guns went all the way to number three in the UK, and in Australia and New Zealand, it reached number four. It also went number one in Sweden, and top ten in Belgium, Netherlands, and Norway. Now, I recently re-watched this video on YouTube, and it's set in the disco, love the dance routine, get back, hands off, go for it, love the key change, what a cool track. So thanks to the success of Young Guns, Wham Rap was reissued in January 1983. It was given a remix and had different verses to the previously released Unsocial and Social Mixes. The reissue of Wham Rap reached number 8 in the UK, number 9 here in Australia, and number 18 in New Zealand. Also went top 20 in Germany, Netherlands, and Belgium. A new version of Wham Rap 86 appeared on Music from the Edge of Heaven album. So have you been good, or have you been bad? <laughs> That was the third single, Bad Boys, written by George and produced by George with Steve Brown. Released in May 1983, reaching number two in the UK, number nine here in Australia, and number 10 in New Zealand. It also reached the top 20 in many European markets, and in the US, it hit the Hot 100, reaching number 60. Now, on the 12-inch vinyl, a 4 minute 58 second extended club mix appears. This version is not currently on streaming. Here's a snippet of that mix now. Boys like you, a bad through and through. Despite the success of Bad Boys, George hated the track. And in this clip, he explains why. Bad Boys is uh, fairly much along the same lines. I mean, we've we had a go at the two major institutions, marriage and and a work and now we're just having a go at uh, the frictions between you know boys of our age and a bit younger with yeah. our parents you know it's all it's all things from experience and observation and it's like it's another very tongue-in-cheek look at um, teenagers I suppose. As a result of George hating bad boys it did not appear on the 1997 compilation The Best of Wham if you were there. So guys let's move on to the video for bad boys. The video starts off with George as a child. Now for this research on this episode I tried to find out who played the young George in the video but did not find anything online. If you know who it is or have more information please let me know because I think it'd be really cool to hear from that person 40 years on 
and his experience working on that music video. Of course, later in the video, we see George as a 19-year-old. Now, watching this clip, I can see why George hates it. The dance routine is really cringeworthy, but the aviator glasses make their debut in Bad Boys. A sign of things to come years later for Faith. Bad Boys was directed by Mike Brady, who directed Together Forever for Rick Astley, and videos for Elton John, Thompson Twins, You With Mix, Wet Wet Wet, and many others. The 1st of July 1983 was the release date for the debut album Fantastic in the UK, Reaching number one in the UK and New Zealand, number five here in Australia, number 83 in the US, and top 10 in the Netherlands, Finland, Germany, and Norway. Later on in July, they will release their fourth single from the album, and one of my absolute faves. That is the fantastic Club Tropicana, written by George and Andrew, produced by George with Steve Brown. The guys wrote the track in 1981 in Andrew's living room, long before Wayne was born, and a snippet of Club Tropicana appeared on that early demo, which landed them their recording contract. On the 12-inch single was the instrumental version of the track, but on the 7-inch single was a B-side, a track not on the album, Blue, Armed With Love, written and produced by George himself. Let's take a listen to that track. Love that track and a bit of a fan favourite with the Wham fans. Later on, the Live in China version appeared as a B-side to Last Christmas in 1985 and on the 1986 album Music from the Edge of Heaven. Club Tropicana reached number four in the UK, but Down Under it didn't perform as well, which I found absolutely shocking only reaching number 25 in New Zealand and number 60 in Australia. What on earth was happening? Shame on you, Australia. <laughs> Let's move on to the iconic video Club Tropicana featuring Shirley and DC Lee. Now, after this release, DC Lee actually left to pursue a solo career and began working with UK band The Style Council. And of course, she was later replaced with Pepsi. Now, the video for Club Tropicana was filmed in Ibiza. On a personal note, during the video shoot, George first confided in Shirley that he was gay, later telling Andrew, who wasn't phased in the slightest, he was still his best friend. Now, at the time, I was only nine going on ten, but watching that video did spark my interest, seeing George and Andrew topless on the beach, especially that shower scene, and George on the rocks. Something was happening, but I wasn't quite sure what, but, of course, in years to come, I knew, yep, I was gay. <laughs> 
The video for Club Tropicana was directed by Duncan Gibbons, who went on to direct Robert De Niro's Waiting for Bananarama, and later on he directed the iconic video for Keyless Whisper. So July 1983, the album Fantastic was in the shops, the guys should be on cloud nine, but behind the scenes, things weren't good with their record company. George and Andrew hired new management, Jazz Summers and Simon Napier-Bell, and their main job was trying to get the guys out of that awful recording contract. Now, on top of that, a US band by the same name took the band to court. They eventually settled out of court, with the US band receiving about $50,000 and agreeing to relinquish the name, so Wham can continue. While all this was happening behind the scenes, Innovision turned nasty. They released Club Fantastic Megamix, featuring a mix of tracks from the album A Ray of Sunshine, Love Machine and Come On, and they released this against the band's wishes. Despite asking fans not to buy the release, the track still reached number 15 on the UK charts. In this next very brief clip, George talks about those issues with the record company. There's a lot of legal uh, difficulties we're having at the moment, um, which is why we haven't got a single out at the moment, which is a shame. Um, But we're, we're trying to sort these things out, you know. So we've gone through the singles from Fantastic, the B sides, but what about the album tracks? There were only eight tracks on the album, four were singles. Let's take a listen to those album tracks now, beginning with this one A Ray of Sunshine. very disco pop track written by George and produced by George with Steve Brown. Let's check out the only cover from the album, Love Machine. That is the cover of the 1975 hit from the Motown group, The Miracles. Let's move on to one of my favourite album tracks, Nothing Looks the Same in the Light. Once again, written by George and produced by George with Steve Brown. And the final album track from Fantastic is Come On. Once again, written by George and produced by George with Steve Brown. So, with four hit singles and a number one album in the UK, the guys took the music on the road for the Club Fantastic Tour. They played 29 dates in the UK from October to November 1983. Their manager, Simon Napier-Bell, found a sponsor for the tour. He paid £50,000 to sponsor the tour with the guys to wear their clothes on stage. Unfortunately, about halfway through the tour, George lost his voice, with 10 dates having to be pushed back. On the Club Fantastic tour, they performed all the songs from the album Fantastic, along with Blue Armed With Love, 
a cover of the 70s chic track Good Times and George performed Killer Whisper for the very first time. Now I was hunting on YouTube and I found this live performance from the tour of George performing that iconic track. At the time, that track was not released, but it would appear, of course, on the second album, Make It Big, in 1984. During the show's intermission, they played Andrew's father's old home videos featuring the guys when they were younger. So after some tough times behind the scenes in 1983, their manager, Simon Napier-Bell, managed to renegotiate a new deal directly with CBS Epic for the UK and Columbia for the US. In early 1984, despite releasing four hit singles, an album and a national tour, the guys were broke. Any money they made had gone on to buying their way out of that awful recording contract. Also, in those early days of Wham!, George and Andrew decided on a couple of things behind the scenes. The first thing that Wham! would become a short-term sensation, focusing on youth and fun. And the second thing, George would take over the main songwriting duties. Looking back, I feel this only escalated Wham's success. George was a better songwriter, and for Andrew to step aside was a smart move and the best move for Wham moving forward. And as their manager, Simon Napier-Bell, has stated several times over the years, Andrew was the image of Wham. Without him, there would have been no Wham. I 100% agree with that. So everyone, I really hope you've enjoyed going back to 1983 with me this week and celebrating the 40th anniversary of Wham's debut album, Fantastic, one of my favourite groups of all time. And this album was the start of an incredible journey for Wham fans over the next four years. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, this week is a huge week for Wham! fans. This Wednesday, we have the Netflix documentary, and on Friday, sees the release of some exciting Wham! releases, celebrating Echoes from the Edge of Heaven, the new Best of Wham! compilation. So make sure you join me next week for another Wham-filled episode. Not only will I be reviewing the Wham documentary, I'll also be going through all those Wham releases, Echoes from the Edge of Heaven. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I've ordered quite a few items. I've ordered the 7-inch vinyl box set, the CD single box set, the blue vinyl, and the CD release. So I'll be reviewing those on next week's episode of The Sound Museum. So fingers crossed, hopefully I will get my orders on release day this Friday so I can record the episode for you for Monday. But if they are late, I may have to delay next week's episode by a few days. So JB Hi-Fi, you better not be late with my orders. (laughs) And as a special bonus for Wham! fans next week, I will be counting down my favourite Wham! tracks. This includes singles and album tracks, my favourite top 10 songs from Wham! 
next week on the Sound Museum. So make sure you don't miss next week's episode. Make sure you follow the show on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I will be posting photos, videos, retro moments all week across my social media channels, celebrating the 40th anniversary of Wham's debut album, Fantastic. So, Wham fans, until next week, enjoy the documentary, enjoy the new releases, and I will see you next week for the next Wham episode. Take care. Top, top